Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Late Night Drives podcast. Uh, we have Sukriti here to discuss uh, what was an insane Brazilian GP weekend at Interlagos. Uh, hi Sukriti, hi. what a weekend, what a drama filled, action packed weekend it was. Absolutely, I think uh, each day of Friday, Saturday, Sunday has brought with it its fair share of uh, drama and uh, uh, this has possibly been one of the best F1 weekends this year. For sure and I think it's the first time we've seen uh, what a massive difference the sprint format actually brings yeah. to F1. I, I think the first two sprints of course they were exciting. I mean you had the two title contenders taking each other out in the Grand Prix after the sprint in, in both uh, uh, cases but this this was the first time that we actually saw what a difference the sprint could make to the result of the race. What are your thoughts on how good this sprint was and should we be continuing to have like a sprint weekend every weekend in the future? Yeah, I, I think I, you know, I, um, I, I spoke about this after Monza as well, that the sprint makes sense if you do it at a track where overtaking is possible. Um, and perhaps the only other difference I would make to the sprint is award points for more than the top three. So then you actually have the midfield taking those chances and, and there being scope for more overtaking. Um, but yeah, this was possibly uh, the best uh, sprint that we've had of the three. I do think the Monza sprint was decent as well. Uh, Daniel uh, got a good start, got into P3, uh, ended up starting on the front row because of Bottas's penalty and was actually able to take that win. Uh, uh, and that wouldn't have happened if not for the sprint. So uh, I don't know about every weekend. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's a format that works uh, uh, every weekend. Uh, uh, Hamilton's charge in the sprint from P20 to P5 has led to a lot of speculation about uh, reverse grids and you know considering how uh, F2 does it. Uh, you know, should should we really be um, looking at reverse grids in a in a F1 format, uh, where a lot of people have come out and said that, yeah, let qualifying decide who starts the race where, but have the sprint where you reverse the top ten or the top eight, and you know, let them race it out for additional points, and you anyway go back to starting the race as per your qualifying Friday qualifying order. Uh, so, if if they are actually considering a sprint format like that then that is something they could look at incorporating in more um, races. But the current format, I think, should stick to not more than four or five weekends a year at, at tracks where there is actual scope for overtaking. Yeah, uh, I think the, the reverse grids format works especially well next year, at least theoretically, with the cars supposedly yeah. like being able to follow each other much closer. and. Like I said, theoretically being able to make overtaking that much easier for the faster cars. But I think that still remains to be seen. I'm not 100% convinced on uh, reverse grids uh, yet, at least in Formula 1. But uh, yeah, I do think the sprints bring just a different dimension. And I feel like we have excitement back in F1 after a long time, right? Uh, we have exciting entire weekends after a long time that's also largely because you know after after a long time it's been a hotly contested championship with with the contenders so close to each other absolutely um, fair uh, the last time this happened was probably rosberg and hamilton and at that point they were still in the same team yeah i i completely get it like it's been a while since um we've had two teams competing for the championship as opposed to teammates yeah uh, where one team was so and far ahead but yeah, moving forward, 
to uh, the race and i'll come back to hamilton and the weekend that he yeah. had right uh, a little later but yeah just at the start of the race um do you think that the pressure just got to bottas that you know he had so much to do in trying to keep the red bulls back and you know he had a really good start to the sprint right which put him on pole and do you think that pressure just got to him where he he couldn't manage the same start and manage to keep both uh, red bulls back a it's that pressure b it's very hard to replicate something that you've done um, on the previous day again he had a phenomenal start in the sprint he got ahead of uh, max. max um do um do that again to to maintain that lead again it's not easy uh, so yeah the pressure short sure, the pressure also max um starting in p2 perhaps had that had that advantage that valtteri had the previous day yeah i was just going to say you know also they started in opposite yeah. uh, places yeah. right so perhaps p1 as a grid slot wasn't the greatest to start off with from the beginning uh but yeah i just thought that was interesting that you know he like it was touted and he has said right in the post race post race press conference that he was told so many things by so many different people on how the first lap is so crucial that just got me wondering that you know of course i'm sure like these guys are only human and of course pressure is going to get to them but you know yeah at I, that level do you should these guys really be feeling that pressure should they be being influenced by that so um, much i think they can't uh, they can't not right because just the previous uh, weekend in mexico uh, valtteri uh, got pole and was starting in p1 and and i think there were very clear team orders that he was supposed to give lewis uh, the toe and try and get lewis ahead and a- a instead max from p3 ended up taking the lead so i, I think there's also that right you also have that weighing down on you fair enough fair enough um the other people again like i said before i get into hamilton the other people i really wanted to speak about was uh i think ferrari had like a really solid weekend right with carlos uh getting the like a phenomenal start again in sprint right which put put him in third to begin the race with uh they've obviously made a step when it comes to their engine and supposedly their uh ERS system which is what's uh, benefit benefiting them so much um do you think mclaren still has what it takes to take the fight up to ferrari till the end of uh, the season for that p3 considering the fact that i mean leave aside norris's mistake right in the first lap instead yeah. what he was thinking i really don't know when he was yeah. trying to overtake signs but they did have to retire daniel ricciardo with engine issues yeah. so I just want to get your thoughts on that. Do you think they have what it takes to take that fight all the way to the end of the the season? Uh look, the next 3 races. I will say this, right? Um uh, last weekend a lot of people were writing uh, Hamilton off and saying that this championship battle was sort of done. Uh you know, uh, Verstappen had a 20 plus point uh, lead coming into um uh 18 Brazil. point lead. No, he's now got a 14 point lead and so he had 20, a 18 or a 19 point lead. Okay, maybe I'm mistaken. Because he's 14 points ahead right now, and um, Hamilton would have scored seven more points than him in this race. So 14 plus seven would be 21. Okay, it's coming 20, into this weekend. Enough. I don't My know. My math is pathetic, uh, anyway, so that's fine. Okay, whatever. So yeah. l- let's put it saying 18 plus point lead, right? Yeah. 
um so everyone coming I- into this weekend said that um, especially with you know rumors of hamilton's five place uh, crit penalty anyway for the engine change a lot of people said this championship was done and dusted so including I, me I, i was one of those people <laughs> i thought with his penalties going in uh, there was no way he was coming back uh so at this point in time there's there, there are only 30 points 30 odd points separating uh, ferrari and uh, mclaren um i a double dnf from ferrari and mclaren's right back in uh so i'm not ruling uh, anybody out and um uh i think ferrari's famous uh, for having the absolutely right strategy at the absolutely right time so uh i would still say this there are still three more weekends uh for ferrari to um mess up yeah i was going to say f it up but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, that's a that's an interesting thought. Uh, it is Ferrari's. It seems like it is Ferrari's championship yeah. spot to, to lose, lose, right? At this point, uh, uh, I also think uh, you know th- when Charles P four the last race and this time saying in five and six, they weren't really challenged by anybody. So Ferrari is able to get these performances by qualifying fast and then sort of pulling out a lead and then sitting by themselves. The minute there's any close racing or the minute there's any challenging, they they don't seem to be doing too well. Hmm. So um, it, it also comes down to you know at the next couple of races, are they going to be able to get away or are, is there going to be close racing? Speaking of close racing, uh, I think uh, Gasly and Sunoda for uh, AlphaTauri. have had solid weekends the last two weekends i think and we were expecting more of the same uh, for this race but i think sunoda made a really dumb move trying to get stroll in the first few laps and you know he started on the softs and yeah. of course he had to he was the only driver to start on the softs uh, uh because he had a fresh set of softs and i think he was trying to make something work there and Gasly also sort of not really showing perhaps his potential because he didn't have a very good start to the sprint and then not a very good start to the race either uh, as a result of that uh he did end up being i think finishing 7th i'd like to say uh, ahead of both the uh, alpines but yeah that's also a very closely fought uh space in the dry, in the constructors championship that 4th and 5th Uh, sorry the 5th and 6th place uh, yeah. for in, in between like alfatori and alpine and i think they're both level after this weekend right yeah last weekend as well and this weekend as well they've been level yeah i just wanted to get your thoughts on alfatori and this alpine battle uh, for you know this 5th and 6th and how pierre gasly seems to be like the one who's pretty much brought alfatori up to where they are right Uh yeah I um I don't know if it's fair to say that he's not had a great weekend I think we're so used to seeing him in P4 P5 in a car that shouldn't be in P4 P5 uh that now when you see him in a P7 or a P8 uh you sort of start to wonder uh is he not performing well but uh bearing in mind that Ferrari's brought a bunch of upgrades is starting to perform at a P3 P4 level um it's sort of but natural that pierre will not be able to match that performance his car shouldn't have been sitting in p4 p5 in any case at any of these yeah races. it was more his talent bringing the car up to those levels yeah like, and yeah. yeah those positions uh but yeah uh, coming to what i think was probably the uh uh the biggest stars uh, infamously the biggest stars of this uh, weekend which, which was 
the FIA, right? There were two or three instances that I'd like to bring up. Of course, lap 48 with Hamilton and Verstappen being the last one. Uh, in the first race, Sunoda, that Sunoda stroll incident yeah. that we just touched upon, yeah. they gave Sunoda a, second. a 10 second, 10 second. Uh, penalty, which I thought was a bit harsh considering the fact that a little later on in the race when uh, his teammate Gasly overtook Ocon in exactly the same corner, almost in exactly the same way, it was Ocon's uh, presence of mind and the fact that he moved off the race line and off the track even that prevented a collision. They didn't give a penalty at that point. Isn't that a little inconsistent? I mean, they've, they've proven like over this entire season that they just been completely inconsistent with the penalties that they've yeah, had. Yeah, the I in FIA stands for inconsistency. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I um, I think their point of view is they really don't care about investigating or penalizing if somebody has a presence of mind to avoid an incident. I, I think that's their current approach, which doesn't make sense. Um, it, it certainly doesn't help nice guys like Ocon who move out of the way to avoid contact. But I think the point of view is that, yeah, there was nothing to investigate because nothing happened. We are not going to sit and investigate what could have happened yeah. had Ocon not had the presence of mind to move away. I suppose they're on that edge, right, where on the one hand, you want them to investigate and be fair on every incident. But on the other hand, you also don't want them to like... Police everything. Yeah, and then not have like racing in that sense in quotation marks but uh, yeah coming to the main event which was uh, the fight for the lead in the drivers championship between Hamilton and Verstappen what a phenomenal weekend Hamilton has had he's had a better pace than probably every single person and I'm just gonna steal Valdry Bottas's words here and say he was just in another league driving in another league than everybody else this weekend yeah, I uh, I think, uh, you know, it's not just the car. That's all I'd like to tell now. Uh, everybody out there, it's not just the car. It's also the person driving it. Uh, to, um, and, and like going back to the entire weekend, right? To get this, to get a disqualification for his qualifying for a 0.2 mm um, gap uh, uh, in, in, the, in the wing for... Um, making up 15 places uh, in the course of 24 laps to get a 5 place penalty and start P10 uh, and then to get back and win the race um, yeah it, it's just I don't see how anybody else can be called the driver of the day uh, or, or like Felipe Massa said the weekend yeah. um, other than him he has just um, sublime yeah, I mean, in the race, like everyone said that the race was not going to be like the sprint where Hamilton wouldn't be able to get past everybody so quickly just because, you know, the fuel loads would be different, yeah. it would be really hot. Including and, you know, me, including me, yeah. He was up to sixth by the end of lap one. I mean, yeah. by lap two, I think he was with the top three drivers, including ahead, being ahead of like both Ferraris and stuff. Here, of course, the safety cars, like him getting into P3 and, and being able to overtake the safety cars did help 
hugely of course um, i get that, that completely very, uh, but i think that still like the first lap before the safety car came yeah. out i think that just like that st- it was like a statement right it was him putting his uh, uh putting his actions i suppose uh and saying whatever he has to to the fia and to like his uh um detractors by just like proving that okay you know what you're holding me back this is what i can, I can do, do right yeah. Like, yeah i i think that was phenomenal but yeah i'd like to get into uh that incident yeah that incident of lap 47 i'd like to say right yeah. uh my question to you would be if the places or positions were swapped where verstappen was making that move on hamilton hamilton was i think had the presence of mind to move away Yeah. Uh, to avoid that contact because yeah. he knew that he would he was the faster car and probably had the opportunity would have the opportunity to make that move stick a little later in the race i don't think verstappen would have that presence of mind to do that and if they had come together would the stewards actually investigate because they didn't even investigate the incident yeah i, I think it's um would they have i mean if there was contact i think they'd be duty bound to investigate right so at that point i'm sure there would have been an investigation what actually baffles me is the fact that nobody has yet seen the footage from verstappen's uh, camera front camera to to know if he if if he was navigating did he turn his steering wheel did he not uh we don't know yeah and i mean they have taken the decision to not investigate without even looking at that Yeah and they've clearly come out and they, they said right that they've looked at all the data and they didn't feel like it was necessary to investigate but yeah. clearly they've not looked at all the data. Yeah and this is what I don't get. They are supposed to I mean one of their these things is that they don't look at the consequences of what has happened while awarding a penalty or not awarding a penalty. So then should it matter that there was no contact? Exactly. Should it right. matter? Uh, if we look at Austria just this year, the the race that's infamous for having the a record number of penalties handed out to anybody and everybody, um, pretty early on in the race, Perez tried to overtake Norris from the outside, and Norris defended his position, and Perez went off into the gravel, and that got him that got Norris a five second penalty uh, for pushing somebody off the track. Uh, clearly, in that instance, they felt that if you didn't leave enough. room for somebody on the track you deserve a penalty um in this instance they felt like an investigation wasn't even necessary so i don't know what what are there certain corners on certain tracks where you can do anything is, is that it no the i stands for inconsistency right <laughs> i think yeah. that's basically what it is yeah and uh, honestly if anybody on the planet thinks that um the fi is biased towards hamilton after this weekend i mean what are you on i i, what, I really don't know what are you on because after getting a disqualification and after no investigation being deemed necessary for this inc- incident if you still think that there's a bias towards british drivers and towards hamilton and etc etc then i don't even know what to say also since we're talking about the stewards i mean why did they take so long to sort of give that um penalty in the first yeah, place right i i, I don't understand that the, their argument seemed pretty clear after when they actually gave that judgment uh so did hamilton's and mercedes's and so was red bulls and i'm not 
I'm not saying they were right or wrong to give that judgment. I think that's a kind of a different argument. I feel like the rules are the rules, and my opinion yeah. was that it was fair. Yeah. Okay, to give him that judgment. Uh, but I didn't understand what was the reason that they took so long. I don't think there was that much data to review. I I, I really didn't understand what the deal was. I don't know. I think maybe they were waiting for uh, Alex Albon to recreate uh, Max <laughs> touching the wings uh, <laughs> and be presented with that footage. Um, yeah, possibly. So, so to the uh, I mean, my moment of the race, as I've already uh, put out, was that move from Hamilton to finally get that place from Verstappen which was on lap 40, 58 sorry yeah. uh, he made that move stick and yeah I think that that was like the emphatic um, FU <laughs> from Hamilton right uh, throwing that dummy and like really that was a really good classy clean move by him and that was definitely my moment of the race uh, what was yours um, I have two uh, that that I can't quite uh, choose between. One is fairly early on in the race when um, Lewis had, uh, you know, with the team orders, gotten ahead of Bottas and was running in P3. And uh, Max was uh, leading the race, Perez was 1.5 seconds behind and sort of, you know, realized that Hamilton was catching him pretty quickly and, you know, he would soon be within DRS range and Perez was really under threat. And poor Perez got onto the radio and said, get Max to slow down and give me DRS. Uh, at this point, Max was 1.5 seconds uh, ahead of uh, Perez. Uh, two laps later, Max was 3.7 uh, 3. seconds ahead of um, Perez. Max was not slowing down for anybody. So just um, just that, that Red Bull second seat and, you know, the hope the driver carries thinking that, oh, this is going to be a team. It's not a team. Yeah. It's very so, clearly, it's it's Max um, on one side and then everybody else on the other. Yeah. Because so, Max ain't slowing down for anybody. Yeah. So, one was that. Uh, the other was, um, oh, lap 59, uh, right after the the move uh, where Hamilton finally overtook Max and the camera spanned to Toto. And he knew exactly um, where the camera was. And uh, yeah, just, just that visual. Of him pointing and like... This Mouthing is how it's done. Words. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. that. That that yeah. was my uh, absolute moment of the race. Um, something to ask you though. Uh, what did you think of uh, the black and white flags uh, for the viewing that Max was uh, shown? So I'm actually... So this has been a bone of contention for me uh, pretty much throughout the season where in the past, you were not allowed to make more than one move when you were defending a position. Yeah. I don't know if the ruling has changed. I don't think it has changed. Uh, but but yeah, just for anybody listening who doesn't know what a black and, fly, black, black and white flag means, it's like a warning to the drivers for unsportsmanlike conduct. And uh, if they do it again, then they would be definitely handed a, a penalty. Uh, but yeah, uh, like I was saying, uh, the ruling definitely hasn't changed where you are allowed to make only one move uh, in one direction to defend your position. And throughout this year, to kind of break that toe uh, for the drivers behind, drivers have been weaving on the straights and I've just not understood how uh, they haven't been penalized for that. Yeah. I think uh, Ricardo did it uh, a bunch of times, a bunch of times 
uh, to prevent that and yeah i mean verstappen was doing it throughout right this race so i'm surprised that the black and black black and white flag wasn't given earlier i suppose the logic being that lewis hamilton was never closer uh, than that point yeah uh, for it to actually make a difference but i'm glad that he was given that but he was actually given that after hamilton made his move whatever right but i'm glad he was given that at yeah. least at least it's something a- right instead of a penalty yeah <laughs> i mean instead of a penalty whatever uh, whatever but at, like i said at least it was yeah. something it was some sort of um uh to me almost a call back saying that okay yeah there are rules we should enforce them <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, uh but yeah that, that that's my thoughts on yeah, that yeah i think for yeah. me also um, you know his response uh, when he was informed of the black and white flags by the team over the radio was um, yeah perfect say hi uh and i i just versus you know mercedes uh when they got the disqualification they said very clearly that we um are not going to appeal this disqualification because we want to win uh the world championship on track uh you know they are not wasting their time getting vandone and devries to run uh, simulations and uh, film footage and just 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 the difference with which the, the difference in the mindset with which they approach this sport yeah i think that difference is there for everyone to see like in the last few years right between like red bull as a team and mercedes as a team where red bull tries every single tactic they can whether on track off track when whereas mercedes likes to keep things clean and on track but i will say this um in the heat of the moment it does it matter that max said what he did do i think worse of him no i don't because like i said it was the heat of the moment he had just been overtaken he's been given a penalty of course he's going to react like that sarcastically that's fine like i get that that's part of his character right is that character good or bad i don't know you know it, it just it just adds to uh uh the personality of like the drivers yeah. and, in my opinion and yeah max is a competitor he's going to give it his all he doesn't care about anybody else that was very clear especially with that perez incident that you were talking about right he just wants to be like the fastest man on track and wants to do everything he can to be the fastest man on yeah track. and i just i wonder what that boards for next year because if the cars are truly going to become a uh, more on a level playing field if if uh you know uh, the changes are going to make it easier to compete right now he's battling with one guy for pretty much every race for the, for the win for every race he's got one competitor what happens next year if ferrari and mclaren are actually able to compete for the win and they've got young hungry drivers yeah i think i mean it's one of two things that will happen right one is i think very quickly verstappen either verstappen very quickly will realize that he can't continue putting people in a position of no this is my place either you move or we crash because in a longer term uh, especially when there are multiple competitors like you're saying who i think it would only be detrimental to his own um, uh, championship prospects and i feel like he's a smart enough driver to hopefully realize that yeah 
or b the team realizes that look this guy has this mentality that he is is unable to change and is that really beneficial for the team i mean red bull in the past have been really cutthroat with their drivers who've not performed for them yeah and if they believe genuinely that they have a car that's uh, capable of competing at the top but the driver is detrimental to those efforts i think red bull will definitely cut him it's as simple as that so i think it just comes down to which of those two things will happen uh because yeah if one of those two things don't happen then i think both red bull and max verstappen are just going to be like suffering i i don't think anything else is going to come out of it um but yeah given this weekend who was your driver of the day i um, i i've said it I, i think it was hamilton uh the, the kind of driving i've seen from him the kind of overtakes um it's just yeah i, I mean i have to agree with you for once <laughs> uh and the people for once uh, uh who voted for the driver of the day as uh, uh, who voted hamilton as the driver of the day i i 150% agree with everyone and you that yeah he was definitely my driver of the day as well driver of the weekend like felipe massa said uh has shown some phenomenal spirit to uh you know kind of leave aside all and put aside his emotions towards the penalties and kind of channel that uh into his driving and yeah win the race in a phenomenal fashion yeah what did you think of uh, botas coming on the radio and saying that uh, are we sure that was a good idea when they pitted him um you know um to cover max uh because he had a pretty a uh, late pit stop on lap 30 under the virtual safety car and so he was able to get ahead of perez and was like running in p3 at that point look i feel like mercedes made the right call uh i don't know if perez would have actually been able to hold on to p2 with one uh just one stop uh sorry if botas would be able to hold on to p2 with just one stop uh i think it was honestly botas being a little ambitious and mercedes taking the little bit of a senior approach uh seeing the gaps that they were and seeing that opportunity to take that position away from perez yeah i think it was very smart on their part to do so and i i just it would have been a very t- very very touch and go for uh, botas to keep that place on a one stop yeah uh, especially with how the tires were going away uh from the drivers so yeah that that's my view on the situation i think Mercedes did the very very sensible thing by uh, pitting him. Uh what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, they were trying to cover Max, right? So I think for them they were prioritizing Lewis and his championship uh, prospects as opposed to thinking about Valtteri finishing P2 and P3 and I think that's where his disappointment lies, but it's, it's to be expected, right? Yeah. I mean at the end of the day that's what uh, it is. It, it is to be expected. But uh, yeah, it, it's that part of the podcast again. The what are your predictions for the next uh, Grand Prix? It's it's a new race uh, yeah. at Qatar for Formula One. Uh, it's a MotoGP circuit that's tight and has flowing corners. Yeah, a uh, lot of corners. Yeah, just one uh, straight for potential overtaking. Uh, what are your thoughts? Who do you think is going to come out on top? I um. 
I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, Red Bull's much better with the corners. Uh, but um, as was proven in the mid sector of uh, this uh, uh, this Grand Prix. Yeah, but uh, Hamilton's also going in with you know with with a great engine, uh, and uh, um, I don't think this championship uh, fight is done yet. So uh, I'm still saying that it's going to be Max and Lewis finishing one and two. Who finishes one and who finishes two is the question okay, of this entire season. Yeah. Uh, I would really like to see a non-Mercedes uh, and Red Bull um, on the podium. We've had four races in a row where it's just been um, Red Bull and Mercedes with Perez and Bottas sort of alternating um, um, on the podium. So it, it would be nice to see some other colours out there. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it is going to be pretty much a Max and Hamilton fight for the win. I have a feeling that Hamilton is going to take the momentum from this Grand Prix, uh, especially because it's a subsequent weekend. And I think he's going to have uh, a thought process where he has to prove to everyone that he's still worthy of winning that championship. So I feel like we're going to see another special performance by Hamilton, but only time is going to tell. And uh, yeah, it is on paper seems to favor the Red Bulls. Uh, but on paper, Brazil seemed to favor the Red Bulls yeah. as well. So they, And they have been in the past very dominant in yeah. Brazil. Yeah, so, so uh, let's see what ends up actually happening. Um, thanks a lot for uh, coming out of the podcast this weekend, Sukhati. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. And as usual, do check out our social media channels. That's Late Night Drives on Twitter and Late Night Drives uh, podcast on Instagram. I will see you guys in the next one. Cheers. Have a great night.